This Week in HPC. U.S. heats up supercomputing at NOAA and NCAR. And an HPC budget map update. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone, and thanks for listening into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research. I'm Addison Snell, and that's Michael Feldman. And This Week in HPC is distributed in partnership with our friends at top500.org. Michael, it's big week in climate and weather this week in HPC with a couple of new supercomputers getting installed or on order. Yeah, we got two big announcements this week. One that uh, NOAA, they installed a couple of new systems, and NCAR ordered one, and that one won't be installed for a while. But yeah, both uh, at the atmospheric research level and at the uh, production level for weather, we got some big new systems coming online. All right, well, let's talk about the ones that are actually getting installed now, and those are going to be the ones at NOAA, National Oceanographic and Atmospheric. These are ones that we talked about before when they were first getting ordered, but now we're rolling in a pair of new crays. Right, it's two uh, XC40 systems. Uh, this was under a contract, actually, that was originally under IBM. This was some uh, an iDataplex system originally, and they were going to have some extensions on it. Uh, but in the meantime, they they sold the X division, the System X division, to Lenovo, so they couldn't sort of carry on uh, the next version of iDataplex. So they subcontracted to Cray, and they put in two two of the XC40 systems, and they're big systems. These are uh, almost three petaflops a piece, a total close to six petaflops at uh, two different facilities, and it's a lot more a lot more weather simulation than NOAA's ever had, and it's going to really improve their weather prediction capabilities. At the risk of a groaner, are we going to talk about NOAA loading a pair of Cray XC40s 2 by 2 into their <laughs> facility? Is this bode well for the future of Cray and everyone's else getting wiped out in the flood? Well, you know, it, was, it is sort of an interesting backstory there when you <laughs> when you talk about it, I mean, I mean, IBM did have this contract for a while, for quite a while, and then it was it was originally a ten-year contract, and this was sort of the end of it. Um, and they were going great guns, and uh, you know, IBM obviously made that strategic decision to sell off the System X division, or else they would have gotten the rest of this. It was a good deal for Cray; they got uh, over 40 million out of it uh, on these two on these two systems plus support. So all around, uh, you know, Cray's happy, but IBM got the subcontract on it, so they've basically finished out the deal like that. But uh, as as uh, Timothy Prick and Morgan pointed out at the next platform, Lenovo did not get this deal. And and as we've talked about before, they you know, Lenovo's probably not going to get these systems, these government, US government systems, as these are as follow-ons if there was a an IBM system in there. And sure enough they didn't. They picked it up from Cray, a, a US based company, and uh, so they missed out on that deal. But it's something we talked about quite a bit and it's something Lenovo's, you know, well aware of and they're gonna have to eventually nose into this market. I think they eventually will, but not uh, not right now. The U.S. government's going to go U.S. only. Yeah, I wouldn't read too much into that. I mean, that's that's what we knew was going to happen, that that, that would be the sector of the market, U.S. government, where Lenovo wouldn't compete in the near term. 
Now we are also tabulating site census data. We're going to work on uh, closing out the year for 2015, adding up vendor shares. We'll figure out where Lenovo sits as the theoretical incumbent number three vendor behind Dell and HP somewhere, or HP and Dell somewhere, depending on how those two shake out. Now we have to, to, to really make that official before we figure out where they are. So I wouldn't read too much into Lenovo not having one of these deals. But coming back over onto the application side, joking aside with respect to NOAA, you know, this, this area of climate modeling and weather modeling, th these are really a big deal uh, you know, still and on an ongoing basis. We've got topics like uh, global warming that are still getting talked about. We've got major atmospheric phenomena like El Nino going on now. So you worry about flooding, you worry about hurricanes, you get all kinds of stuff. And, and this isn't something that, that diminishes over time. And you say you're just not going to worry about anymore. The more forward looking you can get on, on climate and weather, the better off you are. And, and that's something that's going to keep going. Uh, also on the research side, not just the applied side with NOAA, but the National Center of Atmospheric Research, which is where the other major announcement is right now. Right. And that's an SGI system. That's an SGI ICE XA system, their, their newest uh, sixth generation ICE system, and that's going in there as a, a very large cluster. That's going to be 5.34 petaflops peak, uh, the largest system NCARS obviously had, obviously. And actually, I, I think it's going to be the biggest uh, system from a FLOPS point of view of any devoted weather or climate system. It's a very large system. This one's not going in until next year, but they ordered it up today or this week. And uh, uh, it's a very large, uh, large win for SGI, who hasn't had a, a really big win like this in quite a while. But it's a big uh, five petaflop system. Very, very good job there, SGI. Well, SGI also had a multi-petaflop win, I think, at Total, right? They've got a, a multi-petaflop system on the commercial side, right. oil and gas at Total. Uh, this one might be bigger, though. I, we've got to look and do an actual comparison when we get to the next top 500. Uh, and uh, as for the overall, which is the biggest individual system, we'd have to take a look at ECMWF again and see what's there. Uh, they get some pretty big systems uh, in, in Europe for this. But but yeah, it's it's uh, one of the world-ranking heavyweights in any case. Uh, and that, that much is clear. And it is important to SGI, as you were alluding to, because I, I think SGI's messaging for a while had been so focused on things like in-memory database and what they could do with HANA. You know, not that that wasn't a big growth opportunity for that company, but I, I wanted to see something from SGI back on the traditional supercomputing side of things, show some of their might with that Altex ice line. And, uh, and this, is, this is a nice thing to see from them. This is a, a good welcome back to the traditional supercomputing side for SGI. And again, uh, yet another company sort of taken advantage of the fact that IBM exited the uh, System X business, the, the former system in there, actually the current system still, they're, they're going to keep that older system for a while, in a car called Yellowstone, what was a smaller system at 1.5 petaflops, but that again was an IBMI Dataplex system uh, right. back, back in the Sandy Bridge generation, and again, you know, one could assume that might have been a uh, an IBM system if they had kept that uh, X system, or maybe Lenovo. But again, a U.S. government uh, 
facility, so they went with SGI in this case, and it was a good uh, a good opportunity there, and, and like we said, a big win for SGI. Well, sure, good point. I mean, and as much as there were these systems that IBM wasn't going to be uh, bidding on or winning over the last couple of years, Cray was certainly the biggest beneficiary of that. Uh, SGI, I think, it took a little while for them to, to start cashing in on that, so you know, yep. really, that should have been a big opportunity for SGI all along, and now they are getting one. Uh, it does bode well for both of these companies. Now, HP and Dell were the market share leaders. They, they gained as well, and, and we'll have to continue to look to see how all of this shakes out. Uh, HP had a, a good year, you'll recall, in our most recent site census survey. That's uh, one of the biggest, uh, it's really the biggest end user indicator that we have of market share going into next year. We'll also dissect the annual reports, the, the, the balance sheets, all, all of the actual information that, that comes out uh, from, uh, from the companies on the vendor side in order to build the new 2016 market model, or I should say the 2015 market model in 2016 to 2020 forecast. We'll get our, our first 2020 forecast coming out there. The other big uh, survey that we use to drive those forecasts, of course, is our budget map report. We've just released a, our first report from our newest budget map data, and uh, uh, that's now available to our clients, or you can purchase it individually from Intersect 360 Research. And some interesting data coming out there. You know, we get... Uh, this is now our, our 10th year we're in as Intersect 360 Research, and, and we've done the, the budget map most of those years. Uh, it, it's shown us some pretty consistent data over time, so you can see where things are changing and where they're staying the same. Yeah, I mean, looking at that data, I mean, things basically were on course what we've seen over the past year, although we, we have noticed a, a somewhat uptick in the hardware spending uh, or budgeting. Uh, over the last year or two, and it ticked up uh, pretty pretty high. I think higher than we've seen it for a while, at like 48% of the the total HPC budget. And that that might be a worthwhile trend uh, that we're going to continue to see. But it it, it does seem like hardware has rebounded uh, somewhat from what we've seen at a, at, a, at a somewhat lower level a few years ago. Yeah, there's a couple things we look at. Well, one is we look at what was it in the most recent survey, and then we look at what's the five-year trailing average on spending. What's that trend upwards and downwards? And hardware spending and server spending in particular, which has always been the largest component of the HPC budget, but as a percentage of the budget has been trending upwards. And actually, in its most recent survey year, hit its highest point and its biggest deviation over the five-year average, where it's actually 50% of, of spending in the most recent survey. So it's not like it's this huge, dramatic thing, but... I think this is an indicator of a trend and not just a one-year anomaly in the data, which is that it's related to the, 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 the really recessionary mindset that we've had in government spending uh, worldwide, which has an echo effect on the rest of the public sector and academia. As those purse strings start to loosen up, and, and we just talked about some of that with the U.S. government in, in weather and climate, as that loosens up and starts trending upwards a little bit, 
it, you'll see some of these this pent-up hardware demand coming through, and the hardware will start drifting up again as an overall percent of the budget. Now, you're talking about percent of budget, so it's a zero-sum game. So if something, particularly the biggest component, is up, then something else will be down. At a category level, the thing that looked like it was down the most was personnel, particularly in things like system administration. Now, that doesn't mean that spending is down overall, but as a percentage basis, you know, hardware goes up, then something is going to fall. So the, the biggest difference is, is personnel to, uh, to hardware. That ratio has been trending down. Right, and that actually reflects sort of the macroeconomics of a, of a post-recession era where people cut back on, on staffing personnel expense uh, and, and replace it with technology, and that's sort of what we're seeing here. I mean, maybe not to as, as great an extent as we've seen in some other industries, but it, it is discernible here, at least if we can uh, believe this, this, these trend lines. So, yeah, staffing still the second largest budget item at 20%, but uh, down a little bit. Now, the, there are a few other things we look at in this report. Also, we segment it by budget category so you can get a sense of how to entry level or mid-range kinds of budgets differentiate from high-end or, or supercomputing kinds of budgets. In particular, power consumption winds up being a lot different as you walk up that chain, and all of that is explored in the report in terms of what's in budget and how much of it you tagged for and uh, what percent of the budget goes to those things. And Another big topic, of course, that's been a huge area of focus in our research over the last couple of years has been cloud. And we keep looking at the budget map data very closely to watch for the big uptick in cloud computing. And you know what? It, it keeps not coming. I mean, there's yeah. cloud, and it's it pretty much still hovers along at, at its, you know, two and a half, three percent of the budget, plus or minus. We haven't seen any big uh, trend yet to where it's really starting to climb upwards. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of a hard thing to track. I mean, it's such a small percentage of the budget. So when you see uh, sort of a little bit of growth one year or another, you, you see, well, maybe it's it's reached some sort of inflection point. But from from this, it's apparently still not the case. It's hovered around this three percent share for you know over the past few years, and it still seems to be uh, stuck there. Although people respond that they're they're still looking at it, they're they're evaluating it, in some cases spending money on it, but it still right. has hasn't gotten a fire lit under it yet, uh, at yeah. least from this data. Right. You get a lot of users who do some amount of cloud, but then it wa that some amount winds up being very little. It's an occasional project that goes out to cloud. Or in some cases, I'm willing to believe that there are individual cloud computing users who go and consume a little bit of cloud and never wind up considering themselves an HPC user or catching themselves in our net of surveys. So there's probably a little bit of that dark matter of cloud usage out there, and we'll build all of that into our actual forecast model. Um, we've got other ways to, we have ways of compensating for that kind of thing, Michael, sure. and, and it's not just survey data that goes into it, but among the established HPC users who fill out our surveys, the cloud spending just, just hasn't taken off, and we'll keep watching it, Michael. It'll be something else for us to keep looking for uh, this year and in future surveys. Yeah, the budget map's always an interesting thing to look at as, as, as these trends sort of intertwine. But uh, like you said, we'll be watching it. We'll keep watching. And thanks, Michael, for another podcast. Thanks to you for listening. And you've been listening to This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. 